everyone, this is Zain Sharma, the Director of Pioneer Missions and School of Missions with Kingdom Vision Global, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. To receive more updates from us, please do visit our website, kvglobal.org, or find us on our Instagram page, Global School of Missions. We have with us Josiah Centeno, and he'll be sharing with us on overcoming offense. If you would like to watch the video of this recording, head over to our YouTube channel, Kingdom Vision Global, and don't forget to subscribe for some amazing life-giving content. God bless and have a wonderful listen. And we say, okay, here is the issue. Here is the injustice. Here is the, the, the thing that we need to tackle. Because sometimes you might be offended by a brother or sister in the Lord. So if they're offending you and you're like, oh, well, I, I don't want to be around them or anything like that. Well, they're a brother and sister in the Lord. They're a part of the body of Christ. So to be offended at them means that there's an open wound in our relationship and we leave it open or we don't tend to it so it gets infected and it spreads to the rest of the body. And I don't want to be responsible for infecting the body with my offense. I want the body to be whole and to be healed. And so if my brother or sister offends me, I choose to be like, Christ, all right, I'm going to choose to forgive. Even Peter Peter was like, how many times do I forgive somebody who's offended me? Seven times seven? That was his best answer. And Jesus came back and he's like, 70 times 70. Never stop forgiving because forgiveness is a posture of your heart that keeps your heart free from bitterness and other things that other people may do in your life. So you can be affected, but you don't have to be infected. Okay? Remember, our weapons are the word of God and the spirit of God. So we trust in the word of God in the midst of an offense. We say, okay, God, I'm going to believe this. My feelings, I don't feel this right now. I do not feel like forgiving. I don't feel happy. I feel angry. I feel upset. And what you do is you feel those feelings. You talk to the Lord about those feelings. Don't, don't try to... Uh, administer the word to your soul until you admit that your soul is in trouble. Because what you try to do and what people have done even in church culture is like, oh, I won't be offended. But they never really deal with they were offended. They were hurt by that. So they say, I will not feel. Or, or So what they do is they suppress their emotions or they try to control how things affect their soul. Even David was like, why so downcast, oh, my soul? He admitted that there were things going on. And then from that place, he let the Lord minister to him. And then he came out of that trouble of his soul. He came into a place of praise. You can't skip it because then you're trusting in what you feel or what you think and not trusting in the word of God. And so we always have to partner with the word of God and the spirit of God in us to hold on to the truth in our storm until we get to walk on the waters in our storm, right? So that we can overcome and we can calm the seas and we can speak against those things when we have the word in us and with us. And lastly, we must demolish arguments when in this time of offense, we must demolish arguments against God's character by walking in God's character. How can we prove that the gospel is real and authentic and powerful if something happens in our lives and we choose not to walk in godly character. We can't say we believe the word and not walk in the character of the word. And so this this is not to condemn any of us. This is to convict us. Do I believe 
what I say I believe. And then, yes, I do, but I don't like it. Okay, work through that. I don't like what the word says I should do in this moment. Love, pray for my enemies. I don't want to do that. But when you say, I will do that, I will allow the word of God to, to, to capture my soul and we will work this thing out to a place of health and wholeness. That's what God wants us to do. And so prime example for me is in Joseph's life. And that's in Genesis 37, 39, 40, 41, 42 through 47, all those chapters. And what I've learned that's really helped me, and I, I don't know if I've always seen this, is how to find the enemy in flesh and blood battles. And so I don't know if you've ever looked at spiritual warfare when it comes to the life of Joseph and where the enemy is moving through flesh and blood, but I want to take you through that really quickly, really briefly, as we talk about this deliverance from offense. So we all know that Joseph had a dream, and in his zeal and in his passion, he tells his dream to his brothers who weren't really in love with him. They, they didn't have a love for him. So they were part of his family, but they weren't part of the spiritual dynamic of what was happening in his life. And so we see that he tells this, them the dream and they get offended at him. And so what they do is they trick him, put him into a pit and they sell him into slavery. But in this pit, uh, we see in the story as you read it, that the accuser of the brethren is active. I mean, it's, it's in Satan's name that he's accuser of the brethren. What we've done is we always relate that to the body of Christ. And I'm saying that is true. That's accurate. But in this one, we're seeing a, a prophetic example of what it's like in a, in a real family. And so this flesh and blood brothers are allowing the accuser of the brethren to move through them and their flesh comes against the flesh of Joseph and they put him into a pit. So the first kind of things that we might experience even in our own family or even our spiritual family is the accuser of the brethren. When you feel like someone throws you into a pit and does something against your life, that's when you can tell, okay, this is the accuser. They're lowering me. They're lessening my value, my voice in their life. They've put me in a pit so that they can sell me out. And if you've been through that, <laughs> I know I have, you can, you can attest to like, oh, I see that. And so realize that it was the accuser of the brethren moving through brothers and sisters in the Lord or your natural family. Second one is in Potiphar's house. We see that this war, uh, Joseph, he is prospering. He's doing good. He's in bondage or he's been sold out, but he's still, he's still thriving, thriving in ministry, thriving at his job. But then in this new thing, we see that there's a different type of warfare and it's the war with personal temptation or the tempter. We know that the devil, he tempts to sin. He can't force you to sin, but he can tempt you to sin. So if Joseph is living in his offense, this is another opportunity for him to, to, to walk that thing out, to defend himself, to try to do something. But you see, he's not offended at his brothers. He's working through his offense. He's going on to the next stage. So it's like, I don't need another offense in my life. But he got another, this warfare. You don't, got, you don't stop going through warfare, spiritual warfare. 
And so the tempter comes and it's war with personal temptation. It's things that you could gratify the flesh, you could get away with. It's easy because nobody else is around. And so you can almost justify being offended at the last thing you went through to live in your flesh in the next test you're going through. Does that make sense? And so, again, we could even see this in our own journeys where it's like, man, I, des I deserve to give out a little bit because I did good in that last test and I should, you know, God's going to forgive me. It's like, I've been through a lot. But what we, can, we can't do is we can't, that's, a, that's an argument. That's a pretension. That's something trying to set itself up against the knowledge of God. But we see Joseph modeling, I'm going to punish any disobedience by obeying God in this moment where I could be super offended. Okay, so we got the accuser, we got the tempter, then we go to the prison. Have you ever been unjustly in prison for continuing to do the right thing? There is nothing more offensive, at least to me, to still going through a hard season or a difficult season that I didn't cause, I didn't sin against God, I didn't sin against people. I have a right to be offended by that, that I'm doing what's righteous and still my life is getting all messed up by other people or by the enemy. If I can identify it by then, I have a right to be offended. All right. So again, going through a season of imprisonment, this is where you war with the tormentor, the tormentor of your soul. It could come through dreams. It could come through just going through the chaos of your mind. Every time you think of that person and what they've done for you, it's like, it's like a cage. It's like, can I, I want to escape this. I want these voices to stop. And, the, and, the, and I don't want to be bitter, but it keeps replaying in my mind. Why? Because there's warfare. And it's, the enemy's using the memory of those flesh and blood people to torment your soul, to torment your mind. And so we war with feeling lonely. We war with feeling forgotten. Those are the things happening in our emotions. And they're real. Joseph really went through loneliness, betrayal, all those things, and he let he felt them all, but he recognized that it's like, okay, this is not against flesh and blood. This is something I got to work through. I know that God gave me a dream, and I'm going off of what he said I would do in my life. And so he keeps on moving, and a step, painful step after painful step, he moves forward and trusts in the Lord. And I know some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, but it Again, we have to understand the emotional dynamic, but also understand that it's spiritual. We cannot get caught in the flesh and blood because as ministers of the gospel, we're always ministering to flesh and blood. We're ministering to flesh and blood people who have trauma in their soul that we have to minister past all that to their spirit. But if we're in our flesh or we're struggling in our soul, it's going to be cluttered and we're, going to, we're not going to see things fully. And so it's about keeping that offense out of us. Not that we can keep ourselves from going through offense, but we have to keep it out of our heart. And that takes work. We have to punish the disobedience that we would do by obeying God in those painful moments. The last one is the palace. And that's a war within ourselves, giving into pride and arrogance or feeling like, okay, I finally, I'm in a good season. So now I, like, I finally got out. And there's a sense of relief. But in that relief, we can also you know, begin to stray from what God wants to do. And that's when the enemy becomes the manipulator. We see that with uh, Joseph being promoted and the, and the cupbearer. And what if he would have utilized those connections to try to promote himself? 
You know what I mean? Sometimes we're trying to get ourselves out of seasons that God has allowed us to go through to mature us. So then we're promoted, but with no maturity. And because of that, we don't last long. We don't stay there long. We don't go from glory to glory, faith to faith, and strength to strength. We go from faith to stumbling. Faith to stumbling, and we go back and forth, and we feel like, God, every time I take one step forward, I'm taking 10 steps backwards. That is because there might be some flesh involved that God is trying to break the habit of so that we can move in a greater dimension of grace and by his spirit. So you can't help it, but the enemy will often use those who are closest to you. You cannot help it. He, he knows it's going to be painful, and so he's just going to move through that. And you could, we could demonize family members and people all day, but it's about you. It's really about you. It's your heart. Uh, again, because someone offends you doesn't give us the right. Um, we can, but it doesn't give us the right to live in offense. If you can love your enemy, salvation will come to your family. That's, that's biblical, and I'm going to show you that. Genesis 50 is a prime example of that. And it says this, and I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. You intended to harm me. He's talking to his family. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. That is the pit. That is Potiphar's uh, house. That is the prison, and that is even in the palace. You intended harm, but God intended that all of that, good and bad, would be for my good. He brought me to this position, this place of authority, so I could save the lives of many people. Could our greatest struggle be God positioning us to see our greatest harvest? to see the greatest amount of salvation ever, if we would just endure. A lot of us, again, we want to enjoy the things of God, but will we endure the things of God? Will we endure the hard, hard stuff to live in the truth of the gospel? In this life, you will have trouble. <laughs> Romans eight seventeen. If you're gonna if you're going to suffer with me, you're going to glory with me, but you don't get glory without suffering. And I am... An American, but I don't live an American gospel. Danston knows that. I do not live an Amer Americanized gospel. I believe that if I suffer with Christ, I'm going to glory with him. I'm not trying to glory with him and remove myself from suffering. And that's very difficult. That's extremely difficult. No matter where in the world you are, nobody naturally wants to die. But we've been called to be living sacrifices, holy and pleasing unto God. So a living sacrifice means that you have to live sacrificially. You have to pick up your cross, you have to deny yourself, and you got to do it daily. So it's a daily dying to self that keeps us offense-free. Let me read the scripture in, um, in Psalms 105, and this is about Joseph. Psalm 105, 17 says this in the New Living Translation. Then he sent someone, this is talking about God, then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. 
God is often sending us to the place of bondage for other people that we would be the mediator. We would be the prophetic mouthpiece before their season of bondage even begins, before the season of their famine even begins. We're being sent as a forerunner into bondage, into famine, into Egypt, so that we can be that, that prophetic peace that keeps people free when they enter into their hardship. And so he says, he sent someone ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar until the time came to fulfill his dreams. The Lord tested Joseph's character. The Lord wasn't testing his brothers, wasn't testing Israel, wasn't testing Pharaoh, wasn't testing Potiphar. He was testing Joseph's character. He was the one with the dream, and he was the one with the prophetic solution.